come with me. Um, I just want you to know that um, Curtis was supposed to lead this morning, and because you know he he has every other weekend off at the camp, and the guy who was supposed to work this weekend had the flu, and he didn't find out till yesterday, and so you know he did this wonderful job of scrambling to get his bases covered, and and um, so thank you Julie and others for making those changes at the last minute. Well, we're uh, going to be in the book of John today, and Omar's going to share our scripture with us this morning. We'll be reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs You are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it is coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimonies. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake into the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Yeah, thank you. That our scripture passage today may contain one of the most well known scriptures in all of the scripture, and that is John three sixteen. I want to start out with a quiz today, um, so uh, put on your thinking caps. Uh, we're going to go back to our history lessons in school, and I'm hoping you do, do well on this. I don't want to be disappointed. Um, I gave this quiz to my wife last night. She did pretty well. And, um, so, what I want you to do is name the one thing, the one thing that the following individuals might be most remembered for. Okay? Got it? Thomas Edison. Good. Alexander Graham Bell. You got Louis Pasteur. Yes, good. Three for three. A plus so far. Alexander Fleming. Yes! Smiley face by your name. (laughs) Paul Revere. 
The midnight ride. The red coats are coming. Okay, good. Sir Isaac Newton. Gravity, good. They always saw him with the apple falling on his head. Yeah. Um, General Douglas MacArthur. I shall return. Great. Good, good, good. Well, you guys are doing well. I should have done more of these. I... John Paul Jones. What? I have not yet begun to fight. 1779. Good. Bob Evans. <laughs> Cookies. Hey. It's nice to be known for something, huh, Bob? Here's the last one. Nicodemus. What? When? When did he visit Jesus? At night. That's kind of how we think of Nicodemus, isn't it? He's the guy who came to Jesus at night. Um, We don't know exactly why he came to Jesus at night. Uh, Perhaps uh, he just had to work late that day. Or maybe it wasn't until late that he learned that Jesus was in the neighborhood. I don't know. But most folks believe that because Nicodemus was a Pharisee and had to protect himself and his reputation, he came to Jesus at night. And let's face it, it wouldn't have gone well with Nicodemus had his Pharisee peers found out that he was having a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ. After all, the relationship between Jesus and the and the Pharisees was probably you could characterize as antagonistic and adversarial, at least on the part of the Pharisees. Jesus was seen to be a, a rabble-rouser and a real problem for them. He spoke as one who had authority and power, which was quite unlike how the scribes and Pharisees taught. The people were beginning to follow Jesus rather than the Pharisees. Nicodemus knew that he would be endangering not only his livelihood, but maybe his very life if he believed in Jesus. So timidly and fearfully, under the cover of darkness, he makes his way to see Jesus. Nicodemus' nighttime visit was a reflection of the darkness that he lived in. Ephesians 4.18, Paul writes this, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And I think that would pretty well describe how most of the Pharisees were. This encounter changed the course of Nicodemus' life. Jesus informs Nicodemus that if he wants to truly see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. He'd been born physically, obviously, but now he must be born of the Spirit. Nicodemus had never heard such talk. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Let me give an illustration. I don't even know. They still make the Chevy Nova? Oh, okay. Well, the Nova was a relatively successful car for many years in the United States of America, and encouraged by U.S. sales, Chevrolet began marketing the American Nova throughout the world. Unfortunately, the Nova did not sell well in Mexico and other Latin American countries. Additional ads were ordered, marketing efforts were stepped up, but sales remained stagnant. 
sales directors were baffled. The card sold well in the American market. Why wasn't it selling in the Latin American market? When they discovered the answer, it was rather embarrassing. Now, I took a little bit of Spanish a long time ago in junior high school. So I know, si, no, hola, albondigas, a few words like that. But um, So uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm way off course, uh, the Spanish speakers in the crowd can let me know, okay? La, V-A, is the present form of ir, I-R, to go. In the third person singular, <laughs> great, what's that mean? And roughly translates to he or she goes. So if you say no va, basically it means no go. No wonder the no va did not sell. Who wants a car that doesn't go? Well, that's kind of the problem Nicodemus is having. He knows only one language, and that's the language of earth. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Born again? His earthly language was getting in the way of the heavenly meaning. He's confused. He doesn't understand. He has question after question. He wants to understand. And as learned as he was in the scriptures, when it came to spiritual things, Nicodemus was in darkness. This Jesus taught like no one he had ever heard before. His words were frightening on one hand and liberating on the other. Jesus explains to him that love brought him to this world to give eternal life to all those who would believe in him. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he said, I came to save the world. And can you imagine how shocked Nicodemus was to hear that? He was just an ordinary Pharisee. He was not just an ordinary Pharisee. He was a ruler and a member of the Sanhedrin, the, in essence, the Supreme Court of his day. He'd been con- convinced that keeping the rules of the Pharisees is what would save someone. He made a living condemning those who didn't keep all the rules. But now he hears from Jesus that love and faith are what bring eternal life. The greatest darkness that Nicodemus experienced was not the darkness of that particular night, but the darkness of Phariseeism. Now this teacher is telling Nicodemus that his judgmentalism and rule-keeping The orientation that had been his entire life is worthless. It will not save him. He doesn't need to live under the law. He needs love. And suddenly the man who came at night is awakened to a new light. And Nicodemus steps into a dawn and a brand new journey. No longer a critic, no longer a doubter, no longer basing salvation on a list of rules to be kept. He is now a believer, or at least that's what most believe about what happened in Nicodemus' life that night. But did you know that this isn't the only place in Scripture where Nicodemus is talked about? Let's move on for a moment 
to John chapter 7, verses 45, uh, 45 through 52. See... The next encounter we have with Nicodemus in the scriptures approximately two and a half years later. And it says, Finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? The Pharisees had sent the temple guards out to arrest Jesus. And they came back without him. And they said, the temple guards said, No one ever spoke the way this man does. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Well, we know there was at least one. No! But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. By the way, in John chapter 12, verse 42, it says this, <clears throat> Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him, Jesus but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. There was a Pharisee who was not really willing to openly acknowledge his faith either because he had some of the same fears. And in Matthew 5.15 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Neither do people... Light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. But guess what? That's not always an easy thing to do. And so, in, in, in some way, even though Nicodemus may have placed his faith in Jesus Christ, he was still kind of standing in the shadows. He wasn't really willing to let his light shine at this point. Fear caused Nicodemus to keep the light hidden. In this, in this scene that I just read to you, Nicodemus makes what might be called a veiled defense of, of Jesus without actually coming right out and acknowledging that he believes in him. His fear held him back. I don't know why. Maybe Nicodemus wasn't prepared yet to give a defense. Maybe he felt like he needed to know more. And it isn't an interesting that sometimes we feel the same way. Well, I'd share, I'd share Jesus with somebody, but you know, I, I think I need the Roman road all memorized, or, you know, I just really am not ready. And yet in 1 Peter 3.15 it tells us, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Underline always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And yet, I, you know, maybe, maybe Nicodemus just, just wasn't to the point where he felt prepared. I don't know. Maybe his faith hadn't grown to the point where he had the boldness and courage to speak out. Maybe he was fearful of the ridicule, the loss of respect and prestige, the loss maybe of his position of privilege, or even physical suffering or death. 
If he spoke up for Jesus Christ, I mean, he came out and boldly said, I'm a follower, I'm a believer. I mean, we, hey, the Pharisees were always trying to cook up some way to get Jesus dead, right? But I don't think we can be too hard on Nicodemus at this point because we've all been in situations like this, haven't we? We had an opportunity to represent Christ, to be counted as one of his followers, and we blew it. For whatever reason, I didn't feel prepared, I'm afraid, my faith isn't strong enough, but when I should have said something or done something, I didn't do it, and I walk away, and often we're kicking ourselves. Our courage left us, and we stood silent. Hymn writer Francis Habergal wrote about going to boarding school soon after becoming a Christian. She found that she was the only Christian in a school of 100 girls. At first she was afraid to confess Christ before all these students. Then this thought came to her. I am the only one Jesus has here. Are you the only one Jesus has in your family or in your neighborhood or where you work? Step out of the shadows. Let your light shine. Speak up for Jesus. Remember, courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is acting in spite of your fear. And sometimes that's a pretty big hurdle to overcome, isn't it? And that's where Nicodemus found himself, just not quite there, not ready to stand up, not ready to be bold and courageous, kind of this half-hearted defense, but not really admitting what had gone on in his heart already. And then we see Nicodemus mentioned a third time in the scripture. And that is in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 40. Now, this is only about six months. It was, remember, it's two and a half years. Now, this is about six months later, about three years into the process. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. That sounds familiar. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. That's what he's known for. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. He stepped into the light now. You come and ask for the body of Jesus, people are going to know. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Ephesians 5, 8, 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And I think Nicodemus had come to the point where he was able and willing to do that. He stepped out of the shadows and let his light shine. And again, the the Bible doesn't explain to us why, so let me hazard some guesses here. Perhaps because as he continued to watch Jesus, to listen to the things that he preached, his faith grew. Maybe it was because when Jesus was crucified, he remembers the words, he remembered the words that Jesus had spoken on that night three years earlier. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And he witnessed the crucifixion. And he thought back to those words, and it all clicked. (laughs) That everyone who believes in him him may have eternal life. So he reached this point now where he was no longer afraid. He had that boldness and courage that the apostles of old had prayed for at one time. They're actually following this incident. But he finally left the shadows of night. There, was a, there, there, there had to come a total consecration of his life to the point where he was willing to say, go ahead and kill me if you want. Go ahead and kick me out of the Sanhedrin and the club of the Pharisees. None of that is important to me anymore. This Jesus you have killed has given me real Life. Not that thing I was caught in before. Not this endless list of rules. In fact, Jesus said, you know, the Pharisees place burdens on people that they cannot keep. And when you find, and when you look at some of the, the conversations that Jesus had with the Pharisees, you find out that even they couldn't keep them. Because it went a lot deeper than just what they did on the outside at It went to the heart, and Jesus knew it was in their hearts. They weren't succeeding either. So none of these things, Phariseeism and the rule-keeping and the Sanhedrin and even the threat to his life was important to him anymore. Jesus had given him life. And in essence, Nicodemus is saying, he is the Son of God, and he will be probably be numbered with him and his followers. What an incredible transition we've seen from that night when, when Nicodemus came to see Jesus and this point three years later when he and Joseph of Arimathea have claimed the body of Christ and are laying him in what they thought at that point was his final resting place. Boy, were they in for a surprise. Jesus seekers. That's what Nicodemus was. He was a Jesus seeker. And folks, people seeking Jesus need to see Jesus in me and you. 
You've heard that saying. We may be the only Jesus some people ever see. Let me take you back to that passage in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 again, because I have a point I want to make. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And, and Jesus is making reference here now to a story from the Old Testament. It happened in that journey, well, we were talking about that a few weeks ago in Joshua, that journey they were making through the desert to the, to the promised land. And they, they had this kind of uh, problem that, that uh, kept cropping up among the people, and that was one of grumbling and complaining. And I've kind of figured out from uh, what I've read about that journey and the grumbling and complaining and God's reaction to it that God doesn't like grumbling and complaining very much. And in this particular instance, they're, they're whining about, man, we just eat this man all the time. We never have water to drink. And boy, I wish we could go back to Egypt because it's so great there. That's kind of what they were saying. And God said, Enough. So he sent poisonous snakes among them. <laughs> How many of you like snakes? <laughs> I mean, I know there are a few snake lovers out there. Poisonous snakes. And they were being bitten and they were dying. And they came to Moses. Pray to God. You know, isn't it amazing? They said, How often did they say, Pray to your God? Pray to your God. Anyway, pray to God, and Moses did, and God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a snake, and I want you to put it on a pole, and I want you to put it up, and anybody who looks at that snake will be healed. They won't die from those snake bites. And Jesus says then in John chapter 3, and like that snake that was lifted up in the wilderness, I too will be lifted up. Look and live. So those who look on me and believe in me will live. Except we're talking about something better than healing from a snake bite, folks. We're talking about something eternal here. Everlasting life. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. It's the cross. It's about the cross. And did you know that Jesus wants to be lifted up in our lives? Nobody knew that? Oh. Phew. Got real quiet there for a second. Jesus wants to be lifted up in our lives. Can we say with the Apostle Paul? Can we say with the Apostle Paul? Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And let me tell you, folks, the gospel is all about Jesus Christ and what he did for us. That's the gospel, the good news of the gospel. Or can we say with Paul, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed? But we'll have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted, lifted up in my life. 
whether by life, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I actually added an extra verse on there. Can we say that? You know, when they say, uh, what's, what's your favorite verse? Well, Philippians 1, 20 and 21 are mine. It's my goal. I want to be able to say with Paul, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Actually, and I can add another verse, for me, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I want to honestly be able to say that. To live is great, to die is okay too. It's great too. Paul said, in fact, I'm torn. I know that me living will be good for you that I'm ministering to, but I also desire to die and go be with Jesus. I'm torn between the two. Can you imagine? Most of us have no problem with that. It's like, hey, I want to live. You want to live or die? Well, that's a no-brainer, pal. And you know what? There are people, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who face that very decision right now, today, in this moment in time. They're being asked that very question. Why would someone ask you to give the reason for the hope that's within you? Is Jesus being lifted up in your life? Do others see Jesus in you? And though they may not recognize him, they want to know, what makes you different? Certainly made a difference. Jesus certainly made a difference in Nicodemus' life, didn't he? He wants to make a difference in ours too. And he wants it to be a difference that other people see. He doesn't want us in darkness. He doesn't want us standing in the shadows. He wants us in the light. He wants our light to shine. Bill, did you get a two-minute testimony ready for me today? Come on up and share with us. Well, uh, my name is Bill, grateful believer in Jesus, and my struggle was with alcohol and drugs, and uh, my main issue is Bill. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got so much gratitude for my Lord and Savior, you know, his love, his patience, and his, his persistence in guiding me to him. See, I, I used to work as an iron worker, climbing around like an ape man, and Riding motorcycles, well, I still ride motorcycles, but I partied like an animal, drinking and drugging. And, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, that was my way of life. My whole life was centered around that. And, uh, for many, many years. And, you know, it's funny, cause I'd, I'd get in trouble with the law, and I'd get busted up, wind up in the hospital, uh, 
went through divorce and all that stuff. And I could never see that, that, you know, drinking and drugging had anything to do with that at all. But after a major car accident, I wound up with uh, this judge decided I needed to go to one AA meeting. I walked in there. I heard the word God. Got my paper signed. I got back out of there really fast because, you know, I, I was in the wrong place. But that elevator ride I was on was still descending. And eight, nine months later, you know, I had come to a point where I was totally physically, mentally, spiritually completely bankrupt. And I swear, you know, I could feel the wind blow through me. And I uh, was going home, wandering home that next morning, you know, and I heard his really crystal clear, faint voice say, you've got to stop. And, you know, I know now that voice was God. And I went back to AA again, but this time it was for myself. And, you know, I, I learned, was learning some things in AA. You know, I, I, I guess I did believe in God, but I really didn't believe he was working in my life. But, you know... When I went to AA, I learned about the power of prayer, praying in the morning to keep me clean and sober, thanking them at night, just the simple things. I heard uh, about um, uh, nothing would keep me from maybe drinking if, you know, a maintenance of a fit spiritual condition. Well, with working the 12 steps and everything, things was being removed that stood between me and God, and I was starting to lean that way, you know, and having a, a closer relationship with my, with my higher power, my Lord and Savior. And, but, you know, it, I was a slow learner. It was nine years before I started thinking. I had nine years of sobriety before I started thinking about what was my teachings as a kid. Because I did have some teaching as a kid. I was Catholic. And so... I wind up getting married. I meet Jan in AA, get married. I got two girls now, and they start going to youth group. They're coming home all yippy, skippy, and happy all the time, you know. They're really weird. And I had to go check it out, man. I wanted to see what kind of cult they fell into. And that very first church service. God was talking right through the pastor into my heart. And I said yes to the Lord that day. I opened my eyes up. And, uh, you know, we started getting involved at the church. And they asked us if we wanted to be a part of Celebrate Recovery. And so we started. We, You know, we got people that were meeting in our home. We all went over and became the leadership for Celebrate Recovery. And it was amazing. You know, God used AA to save me. He saved my life. And he used Celebrate Recovery to save my soul. And I have been able to, you know, he has taken away the alcohol, the drugs. I have no compulsion. I don't, I don't want to, I don't smoke cigarettes. It's like I'm allergic to them now. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and many other things. I'm steadily working. I'm a work in progress. Um, I'm, I got less anger than what I used to have. And, you know, I'm trying to strive to be a more loving person. And that's going to take a lot of work. But, the, you know, the bottom line is um, I just uh, I found some really cool things about living life. I found that I like to live life. And, you know, and I want to be able to share that with everybody. And that's why I want to take, you know, we, we continue doing Celebrate Recovery here at this church. And uh, matter of fact, tomorrow night I'm going to give my full testimony. And you're all invited to come over. 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And if you want to eat with us, it's a potluck night. And we do that at 6. But, you know, I am so grateful today for this loving father that I have a relationship with that loves me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, thank you. Thanks, Bill. That's a Nicodemus story, folks. Darkness to light. Darkness to light. And I heard Bill say, and I want Jesus to be lifted up in my life. I want others to see Jesus in me. Is that what you want? Listen, folks, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, you know, really, it's not us. It's not our music. It's not our facility. It's Jesus that brings people. Some of these other things can play a part, but ultimately it's Jesus who brings people. It's his work in their lives. He's the one that draws them, draws them through his Holy Spirit. We just need to cooperate with him. He needs to be lifted up and seen in our lives. Folks, we need to step in the light. We need step into the light. We need to be the light. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for this story. This progression we see in the life of Nicodemus. A man who is trapped in a lifestyle of thinking that if he did this and this and this and this and checked everything off the list, and if he pointed fingers at and condemned others who weren't checking all the things off the list, that's what would get him into the kingdom of heaven. Then he had an encounter with Jesus and he found out he was all wrong. All wrong. Is about love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he put his faith in Jesus, but it was a growing process. And he had to grow to the point where he was willing to step out of the shadows and into the light and let his light shine for Christ. And he did that. He got to that point. And the scripture doesn't tell us what happened after that. We don't know what happened to Nicodemus. But Father, what a wonderful example of your work in someone's life to bring them to that place of darkness and to faith in Jesus Christ and a boldness that they would never have known before. 
And in that regard, like Nicodemus was willing to do, we need to lift up Jesus. We need Jesus to be lifted up and seen in our lives. No excuses. I'm not prepared. My faith is weak. I'm afraid of this or that or another thing. But Jesus lifted up in our lives so that when anyone asks us about the hope that we have within us, we're ready to tell them. We're not afraid. We're not held back. We're ready to tell them. Here's what Jesus did for me. So in just um, some moments of quietness this morning, because I think when I shared earlier my message, you know, sometimes we're like Nicodemus when he kind of stood back in the shadows and didn't really come out, stand up for Jesus. Kind of a half-hearted defense, but not really there yet. And we've all had those times when we have not stepped forward and let the light shine out of our lives. But, oh, we need to. We need to do it consistently and faithfully. We don't want to fail our Lord. And so... Maybe you need to commit to that for the first time. Maybe you need to recommit to that this morning. But Jesus, I want you at all times, in all ways, in all places, before all people, to be lifted up in my life. I don't want to stand in the shadows. I want to step into the light. I want the light of Christ to shine out of my life. I want people to know. Jesus is my Savior. He's changed my life. I want you to know that too. That's our commitment. That's our recommitment today. Together, Lord God. So that the light of Jesus shines out of the Longmont Church of the Nazarene because... Those of us who are the Longmont Church of the Nazarene, the light of Jesus shines out of us. He is lifted up in our lives. Father, to your glory and honor and praise. And we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.